Welcome to Maestros On Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, recorded at Maestros Cafe, located at the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center in beautiful Cocoa, Florida. Maestros On Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast, and highlights the music concerts, and personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Today's show features President of the Symphony Board, Eric Lee. Now your host, SESO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau. Well, good afternoon. Ah, good afternoon, Bill. How are you this fine day? Great. Do you like how I say good afternoon? Yes, that's very good of you. All right. You do that very well. Yeah, I appreciate that. We have a, quite a show, quite a show. We're over here at Maestro's Cafe. Yes, at the uh, beautiful Central Bavard Library and Reference Center. Yep, and we had one heck of a concert this past weekend. Yes, uh, recently we had a uh, jazz concert, The Art of the Big Band, and it was uh, fantastic, but I understand you weren't able to attend. No, but we're going we're gonna to go into that in just a minute. We have, were you uh, busy with the horses? Was yeah. that? Oh, yeah. That was busy with horses, playing at church. You know, I'm You're in the very band busy. at church. Um, yeah, very You're busy. Well, we have a special guest, and uh, that's going to be coming up in just a minute, Francisco Villa. And uh, we're going to be talking about animation domination. It's a multimedia show, as you know. Yes. Very big, very exciting. Inside the music, and uh, we want to touch on icons as well. It's coming up in September. With, oh, yeah, that's um, going to be a great concert. Yeah, Mancini and Hamish. Yes, that's going to be great. Yeah, so this weekend, what happened? How did it come? It went great. It was a great concert. Jeremy wasn't able to make it either, so, uh, you know, you guys abandoned me. Jeremy, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. Good you weren't able to make it either? No, I had fully planned on doing I was actually very excited about it because I was looking forward to it. The Big Band Bash was really great, so I was looking forward right. to the Art of the Big Band, but I uh, had a conflict at the last minute and couldn't do it. I was very disappointed. Well, Got to watch out for those conflicts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. I was unable to make both jazz concerts now, and I, I really wanted to go to this one, but I couldn't go either. Uh, busy with horses. Just yes. like Eric brought Right, up. we'll be talking about the horses later on in the hour. Yeah, so how did it go? It, um, went gr- it really went great. Yeah, and we had a special guest, right, fly in from... Oh, yes, uh, my friend uh, Bob Gloppin came in uh, again for the weekend. Yeah, as he did for the... For, for the big the, band bash, right? the other one. He's not going to be on the show today. He decided he'd rather just be in our swimming pool. <laughs> so that's what he's doing? That's right. He is in the pool as we speak. Well, it's well, a great We could have done the show from the pool. You know, we could. Maybe next time we will do it. You, did you bring your uh, swim trunks with you? Yeah, I okay. Have some, yeah. Maybe we should have done that. Maybe we should have done that. Except I'd be worried about getting all this expensive equipment uh, <laughs> wet. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is really exciting. I do love an international musician just because it's really it's that's really what you're neat. known for. I know, but ever since I was a kid, for some reason, I have a family member that was um, a merchant marine. And it was really cool. They traveled the world, and they collected different things. And so I, th- I think the stories are fantastic. But we want to welcome to the show Francisco Villa. Thank you so much. Good afternoon. Thanks for being with us. You're here for a special event at the end, end of this week. That's right. Yeah, well, uh, for two events this month, uh, the first one being on the 15th, uh, which is Saturday. Okay. Um, and 
that, that's going to be very nice because um, a couple of people, including uh, Kerry Mormon and his wife, Jen C, okay. have uh, gotten together some of the best young artists from around the county, from, this, from the music programs around the county. Oh, that's great. And have formed an orchestra. So there are about 20, uh, I don't know, a bit over 20 students who will be playing in the orchestra. Is there anybody we and, know? Uh, I don't know. They're all, they're all young students. Okay. Is this affiliated with the uh, quartet movement? I'm not really sure. Okay. I think th they've just gotten together some of the best ones okay. to form an orchestra, and then I'll play. They've invited me to play as soloist, and so we'll be performing the Haydn D okay. Concerto. This is the second oh, one. Oh, so they put together an orchestra of students. That's right. And then you're going to be playing yes. the uh, Concerto. Yeah. Oh, that's going yeah. to be Haydn, fantastic. Uh, Joseph Haydn, Franz Joseph Haydn, uh, uh, Concerto in D major. And um, then the following Friday on the 28th of this month, 7 p.m. I'm playing a recital with a very well-known pianist, Sergei Shepkin, okay. who, um, who is flying down next week. And uh, we'll play that recital at Ascension Catholic Church in Melbourne. Okay, and then 7 what, what's the date on that one? Uh, Friday the 28th. 28th, okay. At 7 p.m. What's the arrangement for tickets? Do they buy in advance? Uh, yeah, they, uh, they can call, people can call into the church. And the offices are selling the tickets at the moment, and that's the easiest way. Or, uh, you know, just get them at the door, although the seating is limited. So, Then how do they get um, tickets for the, um, where you're doing the concerto, you know, on the 15th? Uh, how do I, they get that? I'm not really sure how that's being organized, um, but I believe it's also at the door. All right, I've got the press release here. Uh, that, by the way, is going to take place at Satellite uh, High School. Right. Actually, it says uh, you can call Jen C. Lee at 321-652-4913. And it's, uh, tickets are only $10. Students and children are free. So that's a super bargain. And then you're doing a master class that morning? That morning, yes. Yeah, so uh, a few cellists, young cellists will play for me, and um, hopefully I have something good to say, you know? <laughs> Maybe they're so good I don't have to say anything. I'm so. sure that... Uh, well, you'll have something good to say. What was the selection process for those cellists? Uh, I haven't actually heard any of them. I think it's whoever's interested in in playing. I gather that there probably would be some some good ones if they're because at this age, in that age range, when they're already interested in playing in a master class, they're showing you know some serious intention for uh, for playing the instrument. So I gather that they'll all be at quite a uh, competent level. Is there a specific so, age range? Not really. I think, you know, they can be from 12 to 19 or 20 or okay. uh, whoever wants to participate in the master classes. But you started playing when you were six. When I was eight, actually. When you were eight, yeah. sorry. Yeah. That's right. You came from Ecuador. Right. Uh, when I was eight, I came from Ecuador, and then I was enrolled in school directly in Miami. And, uh, and you know, on the first day of class, we had a, a music class, and... Uh, I just chose the cello. Why wow. did you choose the cello? I'm not really sure. I think it was sort of by accident. We, you know, we were directed towards uh, all the racks in the rooms to look for an instrument. And they had the viola, the violin, and double bass and cello. And I looked around and I think cello caught my eye and that's it just what appealed I went to you for. yeah for whatever reason it, it was the appearance of the instrument and because you got to sit down i think <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's good very, that's, that's very smart this is actually a recurring theme on the show we've asked many people why they chose right. last week uh colleen lee 
actually said that when she was a kid, she received a toy kazoo in the shape of a trombone. Okay. And that's how she <laughs> And then when she playing. picked her, you know, her, her actual instrument later, she stuck with the trombone. Oh, that's funny. Right. And then the funny thing is she has two sisters and a brother, and they each got kazoos of different instruments. They all ended up playing those instruments. So. Oh, that's funny. Good. Well, so we're going to mark you down for you liked it because you could sit while you played. I could right. sit while I played. <laughs> Which is very smart. There's one thing I want to know, and I'll tell you what that is. Um, being an international musician, you travel. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about this before right. we started this lovely program. Usually anyway, our best um, stuff is before the show. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I don't know why, you know, whatever. It is. Um, but to kind of go back to that a little bit. So you're traveling, you had this gigantic instrument. Walk us through the process. Okay, so uh, that process starts from, first of all, having to know where you're going and uh, looking for a flight. And so then usually, if it's an international flight, I have to call in by phone to make the reservation. So uh, because many uh, airlines actually give you a discount. So you, play, you pay only the base fare. For the, for the flight, not the taxes and fees, since it's not a second person, you know, it's just a second seat. Um, and it's considered a piece of luggage, so it doesn't pay the additional taxes and fees. Not with every airline, but there are some who, uh, who give that exception. And so I call in, reserve, you know, and then just go to the airport and take it on the plane with me. And every time I have to explain, uh, yes, I bought a ticket, and they ne it never registers. Like, he actually bought a ticket for this thing. You know, <laughs> it, it never, so I have to That's... show them the, both boarding passes and reiterate that I actually did pay for a seat. <laughs> well, Eric actually came up with a great idea. This well, was last year, what if is you remember. Great, what is this great idea? I'm, I'm going to tell you. All right. I'm surprised I have to remind you. He said, why not draw a cartoon character on the on the case, yeah. right? Uh, it, was it a vi no? On the, well, we, yeah, we it was gonna, a cello in this in this particular instance. Right, too. We were gonna, you know, same instrument. You could, you could put like on the head. You know, you have like a smiley face. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have seen the smiley face stickers on. Yeah. The really? Yeah. yeah. So how does that work? Does that work? Does it make a difference? Oh, it's does just it make funny. them smile? It makes them smile. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's all. That's really. All you it's can a ask lot for. tougher, you know, flying now than it. Than before, to, yeah, it used but, to be. Uh, surprisingly, with the cello, I haven't had any trouble uh, in security. Mm -hmm. Actually, only this was really funny and kind of ridiculous that uh, in in Ecuador, which is where mm -hmm. I'm from, mm -hmm. I was flying out of a local airport in Esmeraldas, which is the city where I grew up. Right, and uh, it's a new airport. You know, not many people fly out of there. It's sort of like the Melbourne airport, you mm -hmm. know. And it's like uh, a little airport. It's a little one, yeah, yeah. and. <laughs> They actually had me open the case and take out, took out my bow. Okay. And said, this could be considered a weapon. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not a bow and arrow. It's a bow, just a normal you know, right. playing bow. Right. And um, he said, well, it has a pointed tip. I said, believe me, I can't do anything with this. And he, of course, like... Uh, tried to, they tried to even, poke you with it? No, he didn't even <laughs> take into consideration the end pin on the cello, yeah. which actually get, could be used as... That could, that, right, that could be a weapon. <laughs> which is actually metal, not wood, you know? Anyway, I thought it was very funny. But that's the only instance of um, any inconvenience that I've had. Uh, but generally, it's very easy, you know, safe. So you always fly travel. with it as cabin... Luggage. Yes. But, okay. Yeah. Because you, we were saying before, you have a very 
It's a very nice instrument. Yeah, the thing is, uh, you know, with such instruments, like mine, for example, is from 1790. Okay. And it's uh, made by an Italian violin maker called Vincenzo Panormo. Okay. And um, with an instrument like that, you just can't, you know, they, they, they last way beyond the lifetime of any one of us. So right. we have actually a responsibility right. to take care of it. And obviously, if, uh, if it's checked in as a... Mm -hmm normal piece of luggage then you're running a risk oh yeah that would that be, it's gonna well, be an instrument around. like that that would be a huge risk yeah you know they even if you put fragile on the case oh, yeah, they it can be thrown around and so it's just it's an inevitable uh risk right yeah you said that some airlines are better than others. Is there right. a underground site for musicians where you rank who are the best airlines to take um, your instrument I'm sure, on? I'm sure there are, but as I don't spend so much time on the web and all that stuff, I, I, I haven't uh, I haven't really caught up with that. I'm sure there are blogs. I've seen blogs about it, and people share information, which is great, you know, and. Uh, uh, but I sort of know who, which airlines in Europe are the best for us and here also in the States. I have to say, good man. Seriously, you don't Why? spend a lot of time on the web. Oh, yeah. You're my hero. <laughs> I think too, so many people are into those, you know, they're, they're gadgets. They yeah. live online. There's more to life than that, correct? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I have to spend for at least four hours practicing a day. So that's that takes up. Uh, and when you split it up in different... Uh, portions of the day, then it sort of takes up all day, right? Yeah, and, that's a good um, point. And so I use my computer only for um, for writing emails concerning my work, mm -hmm. and and then just try to stay away from the rest of it. I don't even have a mobile phone, so. Well, so when you practice, you say you practice four hours a day. Is that pretty consistent? I mean, is it yes. always at least four hours a day or sometimes well, three hours? Or? Yeah, there, sometimes, you know, when time is really tight, if I'm traveling... Or if I have a rehearsal or something, a long rehearsal, then I can't really practice. And the rehearsal is not really considered practice. Right. A rehearsal is already, uh, you're supposed to be in prepared form and just going, coordinating with someone else that you're playing, with whom you're playing, you know? And so, um, yeah, sometimes you just have to crunch. And if I get a half an hour, I just have to really focus on how I'm going to practice and, and just do it. But I try the majority of the time to do at least four hours a day. Do you practice in front of a mirror? When ever? I was when I was a young guy, yeah. When I was a little guy, I did just to watch like the position of the bow uh, and that everything was consistent and how I'm shifting and all that. But I don't. I generally don't recommend that. Really? Yeah. I think it's good when you're young. But if um, the thing is with playing these instruments is that. It's not a. Vi it's not primarily a visual thing. It's an aural thing, you know. And so we're supposed to be guided by our ears. So the moment that you put a person in front of a mirror to play, right? Then, then they're, they're watching what their senses the are mirror. occupied with. You know, with other things. So the right. hearing almost becomes second because our visual is so much more. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you say it? It right. takes. It takes uh, precedence. Uh, precedence, exactly. Right. You know. Right. And so. I think unless it's absolutely necessary, unless you're unsure that your bow is straight, you know, uh, then it's good to check with a mirror. But generally, just using the ear. Mm -hmm. Once the technique is all in order, right. then our ear is supposed to guide every, all right. the physical movements. You know? Right. Eric, do you play in front of a mirror? I, I mean, I have, but not... 
not all the time because sometimes you would do it you make sure like your amateur you know if everything looks good you know but if it's not if it looks good then because like the other day i think it was a couple of months i was playing somewhere they happened to have mirrors it was you know it was down in vero beach in the green room it was at a different i was playing it was a different concert and i was like you know, mirror was there and looking. Oh, I'm sure it looks pretty good. <laughs> you know, I bet. You know, and I'm going going out on a limb here, but I just I'm willing to bet that you cleaned your mirror with Windex before practicing. Am I correct? If I did, yeah, I would. You know, clean the mirror. But I do need to clean my iPad though, okay. so that's a good. Uh, maybe I'll do that when we get done with the show. All right, <laughs> clean it with the uh, back mirror. To our, back to our special guest. Yes, I did have a question about the cello. Yes, would the Manuf- would that be like for our listeners equivalent to like a Stradivarius or that was it like that kind of vintage? It's in that it's in that line. Okay, yeah, it's in, in it's in that sort of line. But Stradivarius is obviously much much more expensive, right? Um, so like a, what's another famous like Guarneri? Guarneri is in there with Stradivarius. The same yeah, thing. I mean we, those guys were talking millions, you know. Right. Yeah. Panorama would probably sorry. Uh, Panorama would be close. If not for the fact that he actually made this cello in London, and so uh, just the fact that it wasn't made in Italy mm-hmm. takes off a considerable amount. And which then is it would have been different. Players. Right, it would be different wood. Obviously, you'd maybe be, not. Maybe oh, you not. think maybe he brought the wood from yeah, Italy? Yeah, they shared wood. I mean, the, so wood, they would bring the. Yeah. He maybe he made took the wood from Italy exactly. and brought it to London exactly. and then made it the it's, cello in London. It's possible. Oh, it's that's possible. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, because he, especially, he was uh, very concerned with making as close to Italian uh, traditionally made instruments as possible. Mm-hmm. So that means using the same type of wood. And uh, the same dimensions and all that stuff, you know. English instruments don't look at all like Italian right. instruments, right. right? So uh, even though in the market today, that cello is considered actually sort of English mm-hmm. by an Italian maker, right? It has all the characteristics of an Italian cello, but it doesn't cost as much, right? Just because, just for the fact that it wasn't made in in Italy. But you're probably right. It probably was with Italian wood, since it has all yeah, the same I characteristics. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Because it looks Italian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you own this, or do you have a patron that owns it and lets you play it? I, there's a patron who owns it and lets me play it. Um, and, of course, with this particular instrument, I think uh, something will probably be figured out so that I can purchase it, at least half of it. That's the only way to own at least a part of the instrument today, because they're so expensive. I do have an English cello myself, which is a Benjamin Banks. It's a, 20 years older than the Panormo. Mm-hmm. It's from 1770. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a very nice instrument, but not as good as the one I currently play. So when yeah. did the so if it was made in seventy? When did the cello like come into existence? Because the predecessor is what the viola da gamba. Yes. Right. So when did the yeah. cello actually um, approximately? So that uh, I was actually just reading an article this morning about the oldest cello called. Uh, it was by Andrea Amati, who was. Basically, the first guy who codified the m- model of what today is the modern violin mm-hmm. in the 1500s. It hasn't changed at all. Okay. The design of the instrument hasn't changed since then. And that's called the modern violin, you know? Right. So then when and did the modern cello so come in? In the 1500s. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then the viola da gamba was even older. The viola da gamba was, yeah, just preceded it by a few decades probably. Okay. Not, but not much longer. So the modern cello, I mean... I- 
I mean, that's a long time. The it's a long time. It's a long time. In fact, uh, it they've changed a bit. The cellos were basically small basses mm-hmm. used for church uh, music, right. and they weren't really that strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, they 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 had a different back. It, it was, they were a bit thicker and a bit bigger. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, they looked a bit different. They were just mainly bigger. And uh, not too long after that, in the following century, they cut. They just sort of cut them down so that they were more playable. Okay. Once the strings were made in a stronger, you know, Stradivari actually did that. He started to cut them down um, because they had stronger strings now. They mm-hmm. weren't using just raw gut, which mm-hmm. I just found out. Mm-hmm. Um, they were using raw gut inside, but then winding it on the outside with very fine metal. Mm. which already creates a really powerful sound, you know? Right. And um, so they were talking about this the, this cello. It's called the King Amati okay. cello. And it's called the King because he made it for uh, royalty, for okay. the, for King uh, Charles IX, I think, okay. of France okay. at that time. And, um, and so it's one instrument out of four, maybe, or a whole band of instruments that he made wow. for the king. Wow. Uh, you know, in those times, music was played in the courts. Right, right. And so oftentimes, you know, a great maker like Amadi would make a host of instruments. For right, him. and those would be like the royal cellos exactly. for the royal court yeah, to so play. It's, it's actually painted with the emblem of the royal family. Wow. And uh, it's really, really old. It's 500 and some years old. Wow, that's, a, that's, you know, that's really amazing. See, that's <laughs> yeah. a lot older than the tuba. Francisco, <laughs> if you don't mind yeah. me asking... How old are you? 28. 28. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that considered, what is that considered in the classical music world? In the classical music world, it depends on who you ask. I'm um, asking your opinion. In my opinion, I don't know. I think, you know, it is what it is. But in the market, in the business of music, which is something sort of unrelated to what music is actually about, in my opinion, uh, in the business of music, it's already uh yeah you're young but not a 17 year old young really hot shot you know like talent and uh people are for some reason so fascinated with young young people playing very fast eric you're over the hill <laughs> i have news for you oh oh yeah i've been over the hill for a long time <laughs> it's a well <laughs> you know, i mean that's, that's true that's what francisco's saying he didn't actually have to come out and say it but that's what he's saying francisco is he not over the hill no, I think he's... Well, you play saxophone, right? No, tuba. Tuba. Oh, tuba. tuba. Okay. Oh, okay. so tuba players no. can get by with being old? Well, I think older. they need... They need, Is that they true? They need strong lungs. So. That's right. I need so. good lungs. Yeah. That's why <laughs> I don't smoke. You don't smoke? No. <laughs> not even a pipe? Not a not cigar? A nothing? No. That's good. What do you do in Madrid? In Madrid, I just uh, use it as my base. Okay. Yeah. I live there. I really like the city. Uh, but thankfully, I'm away from it this summer because it gets very, very hot. You're here in Brevard County. You're doing a master class with the students. Right. And you're also separately doing a recital. Yes. Uh, what's the typical mode uh, as a professional musician of the type of engagements that you have? You said you have Madrid as a home base. You travel around. Are you on the road most of the year or only go out for selected periods? Do you have a right. you know a home symphony or a home group mm-hmm. that you play with most of the time? Or are you you know, almost a, a vagabond <laughs> going yeah. you know from one group it's, to the next? It's, uh, yeah, I have kind of a nomad life, but um, I do have a sort of a home group that I play with. It's a uh, it's made of a piano and string quartet, 
And so it's not just a piano quintet, but mm -hmm. uh, because we can play trios, piano trios, string trios, piano quartets, piano okay. quartets, anything, you know? Right. And so that group is called Macondo Chamber Players, and that's actually based in South America. So it is sort of a home group, but we play in, in South America. So to answer your question, I, yeah, my, my engagements are basically planned in periods so that I can have time at home and then, uh, you know, and then go out and travel. I, I don't think, I think it gets pretty tiring to be on the road all the time. And there are people like very famous people who, who do that, you know, and uh, it's very hard to lead a life like that. So you're primarily like a soloist yes. and then a chamber musician. Right. When did you decide that you wanted to do that rather than like looking for like an orchestral, you know, playing Well, I think it takes a special type of personality to play in an orchestra and a special type of personality to do the right. other stuff. Right, well, yeah, stuff. it's def definitely and different. And I think um, ever since I was a small guy playing, my love was really focused into the solo repertoire. Mm -hmm. There's more protagonism right. in that kind of repertoire, right. and I think there's more expression in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, not that there is an expression in orchestral music, but in orchestral music, if you're one in the section, right, then you have basically no say in how that's going to be interpreted, right. And I just, you know, I it's it's a different skill. Yeah, definitely. It's just a different skill, and I like orchestral music, but mm -hmm. I I prefer to do you like as a soloist or as like a chamber musician, right. So, like, with the string quartet and piano. Yeah, yeah. and to play concertos with mm -hmm. orchestra, right. you know, and, and all that. It's not that one is more than the other. I think one takes... I think one is more demanding, in a way, right. because you have to be in shape. If you're going to play, uh, let's say, five different programs in one month mm -hmm. uh, with with a piano, right. then you have to really be in shape. Right. You have to play your best all the time. Right. right? Plus, there's no place to hide. There's no place to hide, <laughs> yeah. and you, all eyes and ears are on you. I believe we have an example of one of your performances. Yeah, there's uh, an excerpt from one of the pieces that is actually programmed for uh, the recital on the 28th. Schumann fantasy pieces, uh, originally written for clarinet and piano. But he actually authorized and liked the arrangement for cello, which has become more famous, actually, in a way, and more often heard. And so uh, we will listen to a part of the first movement of that, which in German is... Uh, the transla it's translated into tender and with feeling. You know, those are the indications he would write. It's a really beautiful piece. And where did you play this? With what group? Uh, that was with a great friend of mine, a uh, Korean pianist uh, who lives in Madrid. And we recorded it at the Sony Auditorium in Madrid. Okay, so a preview of the ensemble coming up later this month right. uh, by way of a previously recorded performance. Right.
very nice. Robert Schumann, Fantasy Stück, also uh, translates to Fantasy Pieces, Opus 73, a performance. How long ago was that performance? That was just in January. Oh, earlier yeah, this we year. Just, okay, we just good. made the recording live in the Sony Auditorium this year. In, okay, good. Uh, so uh, when they come and see you play this later this month, you'll right. be about uh, eight months better. Yes. Okay, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Back to you, Eric. All right. So the thing I wanted to ask, well, kind of for our listeners, kind of an analogy, like with the orchestra, the wind players, we're pretty much like soloists. In an right. orchestra, because we're right. you know either one on a part. Well, we're one on a part. Exactly. So exactly. even yeah. like in, where the sections where there's more than one person, everyone has their own part. That's right, and that's pro- that's a good point which I forgot to mention. Yeah. For the winds, the nature of playing in a in an orchestra is totally different than for strings. Right. So the analogy yeah. would be like if we're in a band. In a band. Then the section is multiple people playing the same part. Yeah. That'd be analogous to an orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. Because exactly. you have the parts, but you've got you know a crew of you know cellos playing just one cello. I mean, sometimes you have the VC, but typically you're playing the same thing. Typically, you're playing the same thing. Yeah. Typically, right. it's the same thing. You know, I'd like to take this moment to do a little weather forecast, if we may. Well, I would, li- I would it, like a weather forecast. It is very <laughs> nice out, I must say. Excuse me, Francisco. <laughs> no, okay. uh, I got to tell you, Francisco, to you. I just said Francisco. Or I thought you said Francis. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I said, <laughs> excuse me, Francisco. I kind of trailed off. That's part of your charm. Anyway, it's a great weather uh, out there today. It's beautiful. It's a great day in Vero Beach. My God, we're not even in Vero Beach. But my guess is it's lovely weather. Okay, it's great. The weather is fantastic. For people from the future, we are recording this in August of 2015 in Brevard, what used to be known as the state of Florida. Yes, what used to be. And it's a very sunny Humid, sunny, about 83 degrees today. 83 degrees today. People of the future. All right, back to you, Francisco. You probably played all over the world, it sounds like. If yeah. you're you know, set up with like your you know, home groups in South America and you live in Madrid. Right. You know? Yeah, I've been I've been pretty lucky and fortunate to to uh, be traveling and seeing, you know, many different parts of the world and the most interesting and probably the most different was Japan because it's really clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything really? is so spotless and as a know, country, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people's the service is is, is uh, really good, and everything was just great. Really uh, different experience, and I enjoyed it very much. But Jeremy, why did you ask that question like that? Well, because we're, I, I was actually just about to ask a similar question, but a little bit different in terms of when you're traveling around. What country had? the best audience or the worst audience mm-hmm. or what what are cultural differences you've seen between audiences in different countries versus audiences have the same trait in every country that you've been to just some some of your observations well, they definitely don't have the same traits uh no no i think american audiences generally are way more excited about m- m- music they're not afraid to show their excitement and they applaud you know quickly right after the piece and that's nice for a performer because you feel welcomed you know but um in south america for example in some of the places where we've played with my group there are we play many uh, concerts for people who normally can't afford to go to a concert and so the reaction is different it's really welcoming but in a different way it's not you know they don't often get Music, you know, like a, a sign of appreciation and respect. Yeah, yeah, you feel it's, it's a bit of a different reception. 
And uh, in Japan, they're very, very conservative. They, they've clapped very quietly, you know. They may like it very much, but they don't, they don't go crazy. You know, they don't, there's very, very, very seldomly like a, a standing ovation. And in Spain also, you know, the audiences don't uh, give a standing ovation very easily. But they're also pretty excited about music, so. Because hmm. I performed in, in Europe, but in like the German speaking, and they seemed yeah. like the Europe, they seemed like they were more excited than the American audiences. You think so? Oh, That's what be. I thought, but I mean, I'm. And they're very loud. Germans are very oh. loud. It just, it just seemed like um, they just seemed more excited about it. It's also their culture, you know. They all go to concerts all the time, right? So yeah. they really like, you know. They also really like music. Well, right. speaking of culture, you were talking about doing concerts in Spain, and made me think about, uh, you know, we normally think of Spain and the siesta, and uh, we talk about different concerts around the world. Do different countries tend to have concerts at different times of the day or yes. evening? Yeah, well, uh, some people who, um, who are very creative sometimes have midnight concerts, you know, and they're really cool because they get full, actually. People actually go to listen to music late at night. Uh, there are sometimes concerts in Spain that start at 10, like right after dinner, right, mm -hmm. right after dinner. And, um, but generally 8 o'clock, yeah, and then here I've experienced the, more, the earlier concerts. Right, because here people, you know, get need to get done so they can get to the uh, blue plate special. You know, and get the, you know, be able also to go to bed on. much earlier here. Well, I, I was going to say no. I was going to be nicer and say we need to get the concert done. We have to go home, go to bed, so we can get up early and go to work. Exactly, right. and so, the blue plate plate special. And some of us have things to do early, early in the morning. Speaking of blue plate special, what is the special here in the cafe today? Do we know? Actually, I don't know what the special is. Bill, do you know what the special is? I have no idea. But I can tell you this, it's very special. <laughs> it's, a special it's a special special. Yeah. I know there were rumors of meatballs. Hang on. While you guys are talking amongst yourselves, right. I'm, I'm going to go look at the board real quick. I got a right question, there. though, Eric. Right. So, about the cafe, do you have any actual blue plates here? No, but that would be a good idea. You should buy some blue plates, and you can have a blue plate special. Like the blue willow. Exactly. The blue willow, you know, that pattern that for the blue plate special, that'd mm -hmm. be good. Meatballs, Jeremy. I thought there might be meatballs. There were rumors of meatballs because... I've got some hamburger for these. He's uh, Swedish, Italian. Uh, I think it's German. probably more of an Italian. Go check? Yeah, it's Italian. You want me to go check? No, well, no I'm kidding. A, I'm not no, gonna Marion's Italian. I'm sure they're Italian. They're Italian meatballs. That's so, her grandmother's special right, recipe. They're very good meatballs. So. They're very good. good, Francisco. If you are in town for meatballs, I mean for We're, lunch. Yeah, actually, it's almost lunchtime anyway. Yeah, for well, dinner, lunchtime, yeah. are you in the town for meatballs? <laughs> He's in town just to have the meatballs. I can stay in town for meatballs. That's yeah. right. These are worth staying for. Great. I'll That's be her here. grandmother's very own recipe. I'm yeah, here. They're, yeah, they're yeah. Real, they're really good. I'll probably eat right after this interview. Yeah, that's good. The other thing I know, because I haven't been to Japan, but when I went to like the German-speaking countries, it seemed like everything yeah. was very clean. Also very organized. Yeah, very, very organized. Yeah, extremely organized. Very clean. I noticed yeah. a big difference there than, like, because I've been to England and Ireland, and that was more kind of like America. Yeah, you know, kind of similar. Yes, you know, kind of yeah. more. You know, not as clean. Right, but there's it, one thing that can be said about the Germans is the work ethic is like exemplary. Uh, Everything is really organized, and when they say an hour or a time to do something, it's always at that time. Very punctual. <laughs> Very right. punctual. So it's really a dependable sort of, you know, 
You can right, really like the trains. Count on them. I mean, yeah. you can set your watch to the. Well, if oh, this yeah. train's going to be there at five oh five, it's there at five oh five. Five oh five. It never is late or anything. Well, yeah. I'd like to point something out, if I may. None of us are German in this uh, group here, right? I might have some German in me. It's yeah, possible. I have some. I actually have a. Yeah, it's hard to believe, but my great grandfather was from Leipzig, and uh, he went to Ecuador, opened a business. And uh, married a woman there who was my great grandmother, and uh, that's how we all came out, sort of mixed, but in skin color and all of that, right? Well, the three but, of us, yeah. I don't know. I'm not speaking on behalf of everybody. I'm just making an observation. If we are German, yeah. I don't think there's enough German in oh, us okay. to to where we find ourselves being on time. Right. Oh, <laughs> right. We yeah, missed right. that part of the. Uh, <laughs> we missed that part of the being on time. I'm yeah, always late. Yeah, for yeah. That part we didn't get. Right. We At missed, least I didn't. Right, I'm a little missed, German. I got a little in there. Yeah, we missed out on that. What about so. you? How much German are you? I'm not sure. I'm still working on that. Jeremy, what about you? <laughs> uh, this weekend on the Food Network, I saw somebody make some German potato salad. <laughs> well, there you go. Hmm. That's, That's about as extent. German as I am. There you <laughs> have it. Uh, when you are traveling around, typically how how long do you stay in a particular country? Are you in and out in a weekend, or you stay a couple of weeks or a it's month? It's interesting that you say that. At the beginning, I tried to you know prolong every trip by like two days just to get a feeling of the place and all that. Now, I just try to make it as short as possible. <laughs> That's right. Go in, yep. rehearse, get out. You know. Because the, you want to actually spend more time being comfortable where you're, where you live. No, you know? I completely agree. I travel quite yeah. a bit, and I remember so, you know. early, uh, there were places I would go that you know I want to go and yeah. you know see the museum, see you know some cultural uh, yeah. landmark. Uh, and sometimes that's still nice to do if you've got an extra 30 minutes to drive by somewhere. But, you know, staying an extra day, it's like, oh, geez, you know, can I yeah. get out of here and, yeah. and get what, to the airport and come home? Because exactly. I, I enjoy being home now. Exactly. And what I find actually uh, more interesting than going to different places and seeing their museums and all that, which I love. I love visiting museums. But uh, I actually prefer, you know, if you can actually have some human contact with somebody. Yes. If you meet somebody really nice or... Uh, you make new friends at the different destinations. That's more important for me than than to see the place in a way. You know? Well, and, and for me, and related back to one of our other ongoing themes of this show, food, uh, the one thing I always oh, try yeah. to do now is when I'm going someplace, if I have a chance to uh, have a meal with somebody local, mm -hmm. and I always ask that we go find a local restaurant, a non-chain restaurant, yeah. something that has some... Uh, you know, local tie-in, some culture. Uh, maybe the the person knows mm -hmm. uh, the waitress or the chef and can have some conversation with the people who who run yeah. the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, that's always interesting. Francisco, if you remember, back at the beginning of this show, I mentioned that I had a family member that was a merchant marine. Actually, yeah. my mom's uncle. Right. Okay, and he would bring really cool stuff from his travels yeah. and if you went over to his house it would be really neat stuff like uh -huh. a kind of a makeshift museum in and oh, of cool. itself um what what kind of stories do you have as far as like really cool things that you have purchased mm. or been given on your travels that you've actually brought yeah. back with you i like i like looking at different things like uh in bolivia i was in bolivia i don't know two years ago three years ago and uh they actually tailor fit leather jackets to you know to your measurements. Really? Yeah, wow. and for pre pretty cheap actually. Wow. And so, uh, 
course, the leather is like, you know, fresh, basically, <laughs> and very good quality, and so and not as expensive. So I like to look at the different uh, trends for what kind of materials they use, you know, for uh, for clothing or for I love rugs and stuff like that. And then, you know, I picked up a few of those things in South America. That's cool. I like uh, ceramics really and cool. stuff like that, from, mostly from my mother. You know? Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I don't think I got a quantitative answer on that question about how long you actually stay in a country. We talked about how you're making it briefer, okay. but uh, right. how long do so you actually stay? So you were stay? referring to the amount of time like it takes to rehearse and to actually perform. Well, I mean, do you go in for a weekend or do you stay for two weeks or you know what's that? I mean, yeah. I'm sure you have different engagements of different lengths, but yeah. what's average? The one, the ones in South America, for example, take longer because we're, we're um, five of us. And so we all live in different places, and so we need more time to rehearse. The more people there are, probably the more time you need to rehearse. And so uh, we'll take at least two weeks, because then we actually play five different concerts, you know, and have some time to rehearse, then play a few concerts, rehearse some more, play more uh, concerts. And uh, so two weeks at least, every time it's getting longer. Now I have my own festival uh, that I co-direct with uh, my girlfriend Iria Porra. She's she's an oboist, and uh, I have this festival is in Esmeraldas in Ecuador, and so you know now we're gonna tack on another two weeks every time in March, sure, and do concerts and then the festival. So then it's a whole month of being down there and nice, very nice. How big of a crowd do you expect at, at the festival? Oh, last year we had a huge huge turnout uh, because. The purpose of it is to um, give free concerts, free admission to concerts for wow. everyone there. It's a it's a city of very low resources, so wow. um, I believe that um, there shouldn't be a ticket price that gets in the way of people's experience wow. with music. So I just said, you know, find the money somewhere for uh, to fund people's fees because my colleagues have to be paid, of course, you know. You get the sponsorship like from the government somehow? No, or the no, no, no. I try not to even mix up with the government. So where do you uh, get those? Where do you get them? I get them actually. Uh, we had the Sphinx organization, which is an American organization for uh, that promotes um, classical music and uh, amongst the African American and Latino population mm -hmm. here, okay. being also minorities in the classical mm -hmm. music world. So they promote. It's a very important organization in the states. Um, they they granted us uh, some funds mm -hmm. and um, the Palpity organization it's, it's also a young artist mm -hmm. sort of promotional yeah. um, entity and then we did a Kickstarter campaign which oh, is cool. you know yeah. online and so everyone all our friends people who knew us and who liked the project uh, did, gave some money oh that's great you know and what, did they get something in return uh, besides yeah, a concert well, ticket? Did you, you do know, a we CD or something like that? Yeah, we we as a festival, you can't really give much back, right? Except for photos and maybe a T-shirt or something like that. So that's sort of we've done gifts in that vein. But the real return on their investment is knowing that they help uh, give the gift of music to people who normally couldn't right. hear it. Who norm right? Exactly. People people there can't can't go to concerts normally. Well, they they don't even have. A movie mm -hmm. theater, just to for give sure. you a, an example of, you know, a mm -hmm. picture of the landscape. Right. And so, uh, for many people, it was the first time ever hearing a stringed instrument, mm -hmm. for example. Uh, wow. So, we had another part of the festival. is not that I just take my colleagues to play. We had 
33 students from mm -hmm. different South American countries. And their participation was also free. The only thing required of them was uh, to pay their own airfare. Right. And, and they came and, you know, we gave them classes, all really talented. Mm -hmm. They're all really, really high-level players. And um, then, I, you know, we formed string quartets of students and send them out into the plazas to play, into the oh, streets, into the mall, oh, like a flash mob. Every, we did everything possible just to get music out there. Oh, that know? was great. And then there were th that. three or four uh, more formal concerts, yeah, which that, were packed. That, that resonates very well here. And you may not be familiar with this, but uh, uh, here uh, we have a concept called Symphony for Everyone, okay. where we do the very same thing in that if somebody cannot afford to come to one of the concerts, we uh, uh, make a way for them to come, either by with a free or reduced ticket, or we have another patron who will cover their admission. And that's on top of starting out with an already lower than average sure, ticket price to sure, try sure. to yeah, broaden we're right, the appeal. Uh, it's really, you were talking about that because, like, you know, you're saying, I mean, it's just really like what we're about, too. Mm -hmm. You know, not being able to limit people. Yeah, you know, it's important. It's important. It's really important. I think that uh, more and more, and actually, the states, thankfully, has not totally let go of of the importance of culture and mm -hmm. musical education and all, yeah. especially for young people. Right. You know, and I think that there's a huge group of people. I do believe that in the states, we're lucky that we have, you know, a huge group of people who believe in in the power and the importance. Of having a culture, you know, anything having to do with culture, music, arts, visual, whatever, visual arts, anything having to do, to do with that in the schools, right? You know, as as much as science, mathematics, and sports, which gets so much attention, and you know, and uh, which it's good, I encourage that too. But what can't be is that whenever they have to cut something, you know, funding for something, it's always the music programs. Actually, people don't realize, and politicians should study up, you know, because um, in music, when you're playing in an orchestra, you learn everything you need for, to prepare you for uh, the workplace in today's world, which requires a young person to be uh, creative, competent with working with other people, um, quick problem solver. In music, you learn all of those things. All of those things. When you're playing an orchestra, you know, I don't know if you guys agree, but I really believe in it. If I have to sit next to somebody, and even if I don't like that person, right? You still have to get along with you them. You still have to do things the same way. Right, right. Because you have to play uh, the note for a certain length on the bow. You have to create the same sound, the same vibrato, the same uh, volume, same color, same mm -hmm. dynamic, everything, you know? Right. And already if you're doing that together, then it's inevitable that at some point you're going to talk, right? So you learn... Right, it gives you some common ground to yeah, start from. exactly. So you learn collaboration. You learn... Uh, when you're reading music, your brain is processing information at a very, very uh, quick rate. You know? Right. Well, uh, and it's an abstract language. Yeah. It's because an you're, yeah. you're looking at you know, notes on a page right, and right. they're translating to know something that you hear right and so uh it's proven i mean it's proven it's more than proven that children who are exposed to musical education when they're young are more competent people in the workplace when they're older and so you know as such i really think we should be careful about uh 
ex- ignoring and excluding arts programs from schools. It couldn't have been said better than the way you. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. It. If I were a CEO of a company, and I see someone who has comparable uh, resumes, right? And uh, but one of them has some kind of creative skills and has been involved with culture in some way or in arts programs or music, then I already know that that person is uh, probably more well-rounded. Maybe the other one has more experience, so he would actually deserve the job. So, but it, you know, then you have to compare. But if I'm choosing two people and one just has a simple degree and the other one seems to be more well-rounded, I'm going to choose that person. You know, I want somebody who... If, I'm, if I have a company, I want somebody who's bringing in new ideas and is creative, uh, quick to think and good to work with others, you know. Right. And so um, I think, I think um, people are catching on. Right. It makes right? a lot of sense. Yeah. And that's been the argument for like a liberal arts education, yeah. you know, and then you specialize on what you want to do. And music kind of ties into that because yes. you're using, you know, different parts of your brain. Well, I have to tell you, we uh, certainly look forward to, to hearing you play oh, thank and, you. and meeting thank up with you again. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so um, much. Just recap, what do you have coming up? Again, the time and place. Great. Um, yes. Okay, so uh, Saturday the 15th, this Saturday, I'm playing with some of Brevard County's uh, most talented string players and a couple of wins as well. And we're going to perform uh, Haydn's uh, Concerto for Cello and Orchestra in D major. It's, there, are, there are actually five concerti, but the first two are the most mm-hmm. famous. And so I'm playing the second one with the orchestra. Uh, that m- same morning, we're going to be uh, hosting a master class where I'll listen to a few cellists and uh, sort of assess their strengths and weaknesses and, you know. And hopefully try to learn something from them too, and and help them to use whatever talents they have, you know. And then um, that's Friday. Everything is happening on Friday. Okay, Friday's 15th. the day. Friday. At Satellite, Satellite Beach High School, 3 p.m. is the concert. It's an unusual time for Saturday, so uh, it's something to be aware of. It's 3 p.m. Okay, entrance I believe is ten dollars right. per person, except uh, kids, uh, students, and seniors, citizens or uh, have free entrance. Okay. Uh, the second event is on Friday, the 28th of this month, and I will be playing a recital at Ascension Catholic Church at 7 p.m. Entrance is $15 per ticket. Uh, they can be bought at the door or calling into the church. Um, and Sergei Shepkin, who is a very well-known pianist, is coming down to play. We've actually played together in Melbourne before. It was about five years ago. So this will be a special sort of returning, you know. I haven't played here in about that long, in five years. So well, well, you're really staying, great. You're staying here in Brevard uh, more than your typical one to two weeks, but yeah. you also have a local connection, do you not? Of course, yeah. I grew up here. I, my family's <laughs> here. I'm, you know, I stay with my family now that I'm, that I'm here. I went to school at Croton Elementary, at Johnson Middle School, and then O'Galley High School. And so, uh, actually, you know, the most important thing I forgot to mention, now that we were talking about arts programs, is that I had no private teacher from the time I was eight until 17, my first year in college. Really? My first private teacher was in college. I had taken some lessons with with an excellent cellist, Michael Wiseman, Mm -hmm. who, um, who was living in Florida at the time, but I think I had a month 
you know, of, of uh, a few check-in lessons with him. Right. But besides that period of time, I had no teacher. So everything I learned was of my own accord, basically just listening to recordings, watching videos, and in the public school system. Had those programs not been there, I wouldn't have the fortune of being a cellist today, you know, of, uh, and of having been awarded a full tuition scholarship at all the schools where I went because, you know, if, I, if there wasn't a program, I probably wouldn't be a cellist. Right. And I think it's unusual here at Brevard County that they have the string program. Yeah. That's yeah. not everywhere. It's not everywhere. So we're lucky. Well, we um, have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Yes, we do. Where are the cleaning supplies? Uh, they're in the back. <laughs> in the back. <laughs> we, have, we have a couple of concerts coming up. We Animation do. Domination. Yes, that's coming up. Yeah, I, uh, very soon. We did a plug for that uh, at the recent jazz concert. We yeah. had a little sneak preview yeah, it was a lot for of the fun. audience. People really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Animation Domination is Saturday, August 22nd at August 7 p.m. August 22nd, 7 p.m. At our friend, the Scott Center. Yes. It's in uh, partnership with DreamWorks. So we're doing uh, The Croods, Rise of the Guardians, Shrek, The Simpsons, how to Train Your Dragon and Madagascar. It's a multimedia show. It's gonna be. It's gonna be great. Gonna be big. We've done How to Train Your Dragon before. That's a great score. I know. People are gonna love it. I know. The dragon's flying down. Oh, yeah, He's like great. flying down a big cliff, and it's great. Uh, the music's going, and it's the whole really orchestra's great. just playing their their brains out. It's, it's unbelievable. A, it's a great. Uh, it's a great uh, piece of music. Yeah, it's very intense. And then uh, we're doing the same show Sunday, August 23rd at 3 p.m. in beautiful Vero Beach at the uh, High School Performing Arts Center. High School Performing Arts Center, yes. Vero Beach. Yes. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. It's a heck of a venue. And would you like to plug the event coming in September? Inside the music. That is really a treat. Aaron goes through the whole season with his insight of how he came up with the program, a little bit about the program. He plays you know, little excerpts. He did it last year. It was a big hit. I really recommend, if you want to know more about what's going on, to go to that. Huge hit, and it's very intimate, and it's behind the scenes. Think of like Wizard of Oz. You pull back the curtain. Don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain. In this case, pay attention to the man behind the curtain, which is Aaron Collins. But he's really in front of the curtain. He's in front of the curtain, but I'm in saying... In front of the orchestra. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, metaphorically speaking. Yes. But the beauty of it is he sheds a light on everything that's going on behind the scenes. It's great. Right. Don't miss it. That's going to be Saturday, September 5th at 3 p.m. here at the beautiful Central Bavard Library and Reference Center. That's right here where we're at. That's right. Yeah. 308 Forest Avenue in uh, Cocoa, Florida. Don't miss it. Well, it's been a, a really great show. We've had a lot of fun. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Francisco, for showing up. Thank you and, so much uh, for having me. You were actually here before everybody. <laughs> you were the first one here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, was, we missed that German part of being on time. That's so. what I'm talking about. That's exactly right. This is Bill Trudeau. And Eric Lee. And I'm Jeremy Hickman with our special guest in the cafe for the hour. Francisco Villa. Reminding all of you, as always, we'll We'll see you at the show. You've been listening to Maestros On Air. Brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Remember, you can support the symphony in many ways. 
including a visit to Maestro's Cafe, located just inside the main entrance to the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center, 308 Forest Avenue, Cocoa, Florida. Maestro's Cafe serves a variety of coffee and other drinks, as well as breakfast and lunch selections, and is open most days from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., with extended hours on Tuesday and Thursday, closed Sunday. For more information about the symphony or upcoming concerts, like us on Facebook. Or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show. Velocity Production.